0: Morning, everyone. Hey, I'm grateful to be able to be here with you this morning in this crazy season that we uh, have to live through. Uh, thankful to uh, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Ted to uh, have confidence in me to be able to just come and, and share what God's put on my heart. And uh, so we, we look forward to them being back with us soon. And you know, it's blessed even by the, the worship team, they they bless you. Amen. Amen. I really do. So thank you guys. Appreciate that. And um, before we begin, let's let's just once again ask the Lord to to just settle our hearts and cause us to have uh, just just uh, open hearts that are attentive and receptive and responsive to. God's word here today. Father, we're just grateful that we have access to your very throne, the throne of grace. And Lord, I I thank you that we can come to you. uh, Lord, you say pray without ceasing. We can come to you anytime, anywhere. And Lord, especially here as we gather together. Lord, you say that when we gather together to worship you, to praise you, and to seek after you that, that lord you you will manifest yourself in 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 wonderful ways so i pray that this morning we might sense your presence here lord thank you for revealing yourself through the creation that you've blessed us with and lord even even more so through the word of god and through the person of jesus christ And so lord as we consider the great things that you've already revealed to us and as we remember the the great truths of this season of year christmas lord we pray that you'd make them new you'd make them fresh to our hearts and cause them to be transformative lord Uh, may may the holy spirit take the word of god today and our worship to you and the work that he is doing and lord cause us to be more like Jesus and so I pray for your anointing upon this time and thank you for it in Jesus name amen um, you know I felt like uh, when pastor Jeff asked me to uh, take the service this morning that he had he had done the the uh, series on the the Advent candles and uh, so I, I I felt like, boy, you know, he couldn't do the last Advent candle next week, so I might as well kind of try to finish that out for us. And, you know, I I was never really one for all the the tradition stuff. I I was raised in a church that it was was all tradition all the time, and I think the problem with that is that too often the the traditions and the rituals kind of become, they, they replace the reality of what God is really wanting to do. But still, it's it's kind of a neat reminder, the, the Advent candles, of just some of the great uh, highlights, so to speak, of, of this season, of the fact that uh, what happened and all of the events that surrounded the, the birth of Christ. And so uh, let me just kind of remind us all of kind of what all the candles signify. Remember, first the first candle signified, it's, it's known as the prophet's candle. And it signified the fact that Jesus' birth was predicted centuries before it even happened. And even as far back as the Garden of Eden, after mankind sinned and fell into sin, fell away from God, God came to them and said, I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send one to to take care of this problem. And all God uh, just brought those prophecies to pass and those prophecies continued throughout the entire Old Testament. Hundreds of specific prophecies that either pictured or directly uh, spoke of the events that would come uh, to pass in the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course we know and, and Pastor Jeff shared with us that The odds of that happening to one person, all of those things coming true are just astronomically impossible. The the, the odds against it, it, it could not happen apart from the fact that God intervened and God had orchestrated the whole deal. And so that's one of the great proofs of the word of God, that these things could not have happened apart from the fact that uh, Jesus, or, or God, was, was in it. God was orchestrating. God had, had predicted it all, and it came to pass just as he predicted. So that's the prophet's candle, and it talks about all of the prophecies that uh, spoke of Christ's first coming. The Bethlehem candle is the second one. And that sort of zeroed in on the specific prophecy that the Messiah would be born in the town of Bethlehem. It's a a very small and insignificant town. I mean, we've had the blessing of being able to go over to the Holy Land and we stay in the the little town of Bethlehem. And I I remember when when I first went there, I thought, you know, I I don't think I'd really want to live here. You know, as as, uh, wonderful as we kind of make it in the little Christmas card scenes that we have, it's it's not a very nice place, really. It's it's kind of the the economy is really not good, and and so on. It's just just really not a very nice place. And and you think of the fact that wow, you know, God, you think He would have chosen to have His Son born in the city that He said I put my name there. That's what the, it says in the Old Testament. It says that God put His name in the city of Jerusalem. That's His city, and. Uh, you would think that God would have said, hey, prepare the best place for my son. Let him be born in the greatest palace. But that wasn't the case. He wanted him to be born in this place that was kind of obscure, kind of had a rough history, to be honest with you. The first time we hear about it or read about it in the Bible, it's when Jacob was, was traveling and his his wife died just outside of Bethlehem. It was a... It was a just a sad story, and uh, we we know there's other uh, stories about Bethlehem where there was that. Uh, of course, the story of Ruth which started off with a terrible, uh, a terrible uh, famine, and uh, you know the family of, of Ruth and Naomi. They they just the the, the, the men died while they were while they had gone off to Moab, and when they came back, well, God redeemed that story by bringing Ruth. Together with a kinsman redeemer. Again, another picture of Jesus Christ. And then when they got together, Ruth became the great grandmother of David, who became the greatest king in Israel. So you see how God just takes crazy, uh, seemingly uh, unlikely events and places, and he says, I'm gonna make this special. That's what he did in Bethlehem. And it's still a blessing to go there, even though it's not a real nice place to be, it's still a blessing to go and to see the place where Jesus Christ actually came into this world. The third candle that uh, pastor shared with us last week was the shepherd's candle. And that reminds us that God first entrusted the great news of the Messiah's birth to the lowly and humble shepherds, often considered outcasts, but they became the first evangelists. Ain't God great? I, as I was kind of researching this, I, I found a little interesting note that uh, there was a particular group of shepherds. They were known as the Levitical shepherds. And those were the shepherds who were charged with tending the flocks of sheep that were to be used in the Passover sacrifice. And what's fascinating about these Levitical shepherds is they would examine the lambs when they were first born, and if they were found to be spotless and no fault and perfect, uh, acceptable sacrifices for the uh, the, the Passover uh, celebration, those lambs were wrapped in swaddling clothes. Interesting, isn't it? Isn't it amazing how God just kind of is in every little detail of things? It's really cool. So the, the the final candle, which you can see, is known as the angel candle. And I have to admit, it was kind of it was kind of difficult for me to kind of deal with, you know, I, I I know a lot about angels, and there's a ton that I could say about angels, but um, You know, how do I take all of this and and kind of bring it into, well, you know, it's all got to be about Christ, and it's got to be the the message of Christ. But I wanted to share a couple of things, because the angels play a huge role in this whole scenario of Christ's birth. Um, But first of all, I kind of wanted to dispel a few uh, notions that we might have about angels. I remember when I was growing up, we had this little thing. It was kind of a, a, a creepy-looking thing that was on our mantle. It had wings and, I don't know, you'd look up at it and it's, that, that was my concept of an angel, you know? It was just weird, you know? It was this little guy up on the, up on the mantle staring down at you. Um, you know, that, that's, that's not what angels are. That's not what they look like. Um, They're not like these little fairies just floating around, flitting around and stuff. They're just, they're not. Um, The Bible doesn't give that description of an angel. They're not this little, fat little thing with a bow and arrow, you know, (laughs) running around Cupid, you know. I like to call them stupid because that's what it is. It's, It's stupid, you know, it's not Cupid. That's not what an angel is. Every time that we see an angel kind of manifest himself in the Bible... It, it's a fearful thing. As a matter of fact, the first thing they have to say is, Fear not. Okay? Now, I mean, just imagine you're just kind of going along with your life, and all of a sudden, this, this brilliantly glorious being appears to you. I mean, it would be like the ultimate Casper the Friendly Ghost scene, you know? It's like, <laughs> you know, right? I'm told. Um, and Billy Graham wrote this uh, about a missionary that uh, they were out in, uh, you know, some remote area, and there was some some very hostile tribes that they were trying to reach. And he said this this couple it was they was just in the house, and they they heard these war drums and things like that, and and they were fearful that uh, they were going to be attacked and even killed. And uh, so they, they were just in their home, they were praying. And uh, they they heard all of the noise and the commotion of the tribes surrounding their house and everything. And um, they said all of a sudden, they they just went away. And uh, some time went by, a couple of years, and the the, the missionaries were able to reach the tribe and and some of them wound up getting saved. And the missionary went back to the the chief and he said, you know what, why? why didn't you uh, attack what happened that night and the uh, the the chief looked at him and said you didn't see all of those those men in in shining men that were o- over your house and he said, we were so scared we just we just fled into the woods you know and it's like that's the kind of uh, creatures we're talking about when we're talking about biblical angels it's not the little guy over on your shoulder telling you to do what's right and the other guy on your shoulder telling you to do what's wrong. Although there is a little truth in that little concept. There are good angels, angels that stayed with the Lord, following the Lord, and there are evil angels who followed Lucifer into the fall. And while the Bible tells us that there are uh, he, it likens the angels to the stars, right and and I think that it, as a matter of fact, in, in some references, it actually calls angels stars in the book of job, for example it 's the first real historical mention of the angels it 's not the first chronological in the Bible, but it 's the first one because god is dis- in job chapter thirty eight God is describing to Joel or job. He's basically kind of rebuking Job, and he's saying, Job, where were you when I created the world? And he tells how he you know, built it all with the foundations and everything. And then he says, right after that, God gave a little uh, description of what happened when he created the world. It says in Job 38, 7, that when he did that, all the angels of God, the morning stars, sang together. They praised him, they glorified him. It kind of shows that there were as many, if if that kind of correlation is true, that there's probably as many angels as we can see the stars. The Bible says there's an innumerable number of angels. So there's, there's a lot of them. And when Satan fell, he took a third of them with him. So there's probably a lot of demons running around. So there's good ones and bad ones. But, you know, what I found is really the Bible only names three angels in the whole place. We'll probably get to know them a little bit better when we get there. But uh, one of them is named Gabriel. He's the one we'll kind of see going on because I think he had sort of the charge of the the events surrounding the birth of Christ. The other one was Michael, and we find him... uh, Basically, I think he's kind of in charge of of protecting and taking care of the nation of Israel. And we have Lucifer. Those are the only three uh, angels that are named in the Bible. And of course, we really don't want to listen to Lucifer too much. We've listened to him enough, right? That's right. That's right, amen. So the Bible describes angels as mighty spiritual beings. You know, if somebody ever asks you, you know, you Christians, do you believe in extraterrestrial life? Uh-huh. <laughs> Angels are extraterrestrial. They're celestial beings, so to speak. Um, so we, we don't have to, you know, be ashamed of that. As a matter of fact, Jesus, he's the perfect example. <laughs> he shot up into the heavens and he's coming back. So he's extraterrestrial, too. But anyway, Psalm 103. In verse 20, it says, Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. So angels, they have a multitude of functions in the Bible. But for what we're kind of considering today, I'd just like us to focus in on, on the, the specific angelic appearances and messages, so to speak, that we find that relate to the Christmas story. Um, and and that kind of begins even like a, a year before, when the first real angelic message came, and it had to do with uh, well. Let me let me just read it for you. In in uh, Luke chapter one, verses uh, five through seven. Oh well, well wait a minute, let me. Uh, Let me Let me back up a little bit. We read in Luke chapter one how that God sent the angel Gabriel to reveal to Zechariah. Now, Zechariah was a priest that his prayers that he and his wife had prayed for many years that they would have a son. Uh, Apparently, they couldn't have children. And, you know, back in those those times, it was considered this huge blessing that they would have children. And it was also considered a great reproach or it brought a lot of shame because they thought, well, if you don't have children, then God must be cursing you somehow. Well, you know, they probably hadn't prayed for a child in maybe 30 or 40 years because the Bible says they were, they were way up there in age. I mean, Zechariah could have been 70, 80 years old. It, it just says they were beyond the age of having children. You know, did you ever get a little discouraged when you're praying for something, you really want something, you, you know it could, it, it could be a great blessing from God, but it just doesn't happen? You know, I, I, I probably a lot of people have just said, well, god didn't answer my prayer so forget it that wasn't what zechariah and elizabeth did the bible says they were faithful and they kept serving the lord even though you know later on when we read the story elizabeth said after she got pregnant god has taken away my reproach so you know she must have felt ashamed and just that that reproach means you just feel like you're being cursed in some way. So she said, God has taken away my reproach. So you know that they must have felt like, oh, you know, God's God sort of let us down. But they didn't let that disappointment of not getting what they had hoped for keep them from serving the Lord. Zechariah said, I'm going to be faithful to God even though I didn't get everything that I would have liked to have. That's what we need to do. We need to determine God, I'm going to be faithful to you, even though things don't work out the way I would like them to all the time. Zechariah was faithful. And God said, when when, uh, the the angel Gabriel met him, he just so happened that that was the time when he went in to offer incense. And the angel Gabriel met him. It kind of freaked him out, I'm sure. And uh, he said, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. I remember Pastor Jeff sharing with us a while back how, what an encouragement that is. That even though they probably forgot about the prayer, God didn't forget. And God came through and he blessed them with a child and that child was to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. And uh, you know, what, what a tremendous thing to have happen. So the angel Gabriel came and he revealed that to him. And, uh, well, let me just read the story real quick. It says, there was, in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, there was in the days of Herod the king of, uh, of Judea a certain priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, that was his family, and his wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord Blameless. Even throughout the disappointments, even throughout the struggles, they were blameless. They walked with the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. They were up there. They were kind of on the other side of the hill. (laughs) You know what I mean? But they didn't give up. They kept serving the Lord. And God answered in his time. Don't let discouragement cause you to give up on God he's working out his plan. It's in his time. He'll come through and it'll be better than we ever imagined. So next Gabe goes to Nazareth. And in Luke chapter one, let me just read through it. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled. Excuse me. She was troubled. (laughs) I would be too. Um, At his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, how can this be since i go i do not know a man and the angel answered and said to her the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of god now indeed elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So basically the angel comes, says, here's what's happening. She kind of wondered, hey, how's this thing going to happen? But finally in the end, she just, she just said, i 'm your servant i 'm the servant of the Lord let it, let it be according to what you 've said. She was willing to do that now i, I don 't know if she kind of thought through all that was going to happen, but we know from the you know what, what events transpired that th- this was not a real easy thing to have to deal with uh, to be found with child and not being married yet was not a good thing. As a matter of fact, if Joseph wanted to, he could have put her to death. But we'll get to him later because the angels kind of got involved in that situation too. He could have had her put to death. I, I think maybe in the back of her mind, you think, "Hmm, how am I going to, am I going to explain this kind of stuff?" You know. But she, you know, the thing was, God revealed, "This is my plan," and she said. I'm your servant, Lord, let, let it be. And yeah, I think that needs to be our attitude when God kind of shows us what he'd have for us because sometimes it, 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 God's going to lead us into some difficult circumstances. I mean, you look at the story and the, the characters of the, the, the Christmas story. It was not an easy time for them. It wasn't all, like I like to say, a bowl of roses. I don't know if that's a saying or not, but... Uh it, it, yeah that's right um it, it was some difficult things i mean she had to kind of grapple with hey I, there's a lot of shame involved in this are people are going to think i am a, a harlot uh, you know I, but she said god i'll trust you through it and you know when when we'll just have that attitude god'll see us through any any kind of struggle or circumstance okay so um After that, she goes to visit her cousin or whatever relative. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe it was her aunt, Elizabeth, who I remember she's now six months pregnant uh, when she was way over the age. And she hears Mary's voice and Johnny jumps for joy even before he's ready for a jolly jumper. I mean, he's, he's, he's inside, and he's just jumping. She's like, whoa, this guy's going. This guy's going for it. And so you know something was up there. I mean, they, they just that was kind of a cool little thing. I didn't have to put that in there, but he just did. You know? It's just, um, anyway, a few months later, she goes back to Nazareth. And her fiance, Joe, takes one look at her baby bump. And he probably said, this ain't happening. You know, I mean, it, God kept him in, in the dark a little bit. He kept him in suspense. You know, sometimes he'll do that. I always like to, to put it this way. It's God's way of keeping our nails short, <laughs> right? Um, let me read the, the account. I'm sure you're familiar with it, but in Matthew 1, beginning verse 18, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband-to-be, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example of her, which basically would have been stoning, was, was minded to put her away secretly. That's interesting because... You know, when, when you're confronted with a real challenge, sometimes we, there's just those emotions kind of drive us and, and uh, dictate what we're gonna, you know, our reactions. Boy, I, you know, I think we can learn something from Joseph. It says he thought on those things. He didn't just react to us. and say, you're a harlot, Do you deserve to die, you know? Uh, there's a lot of people that just jump in, in, into responses and reactions like that. And I think it's wise if we just, you know, don't react but respond and, and start thinking for a little while. I think Joseph, when, when all that happened, he said, okay, I, this is a, a lot to deal with. Maybe I'll sleep on it. Good thing. Because the Bible says that, uh, but while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. I said, most guys wouldn't even be able to go to sleep, but he, you know, kind of said, okay, God, I'll, I'll, I'll think on these things and I'll ask you for direction. The angel appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now, Gabriel named two babies. <laughs> the Parents didn't have any choice. He named Zechariah and Elizabeth. He's going to be named John. And uh, Joan, Mary, you're going to name yours Jesus. And so the name Jesus means Jehovah is Savior. Very common name back then, but boy, it took on a whole new meaning with him, didn't it? because he became the Savior. It says, so all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, again, the prophet's candle. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. It says, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel commanded him, and took to him his wife, and they did, he did not know her until he had brought forth, or she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So Joseph, when he faced devastating news, didn't just fly off the handle. He waited on the Lord, and the Lord gave him direction. So kind of wait, you know, God might not send an angel in the dream. I, I've never encountered an angel. I, I know I will someday in the future, but, you know, it's interesting. The Bible even says that we as believers need to be careful to entertain strangers because there might, we might just be ministering to an angel. I, I may have met an angel. I don't know, you know, but it, it's just an encouragement to know, hey, maybe God's going to send somebody our way that eh, we could just blow them off if we wanted to or we could stop and perhaps help them meet a need or something and find out in eternity, hey, that was God sending somebody your way. It was just an angel in disguise who's testing you. There's a lot of tests that God gives us, but let's, let's keep that in mind. Well, about eight and a half months into the pregnancy, the newlyweds, Joe and Mary, get the news that there's a new tax hike. (laughs) Isn't that nice? Yeah. Yep. and so they have to take the 90 mile trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now when we go over the Holy Land, we get in a nice air conditioned bus in Nazareth, and we sit down in our nice comfy seats for two hours, we just praise God, look at the nice countryside and the hills and the valleys and so on. And two hours later, we get off the bus nice and refreshed. Okay, 90 miles, almost fully pregnant, you know, almost due with the baby, and they gotta travel 90 miles. In that country, you, if you ever go over there, you know that's not a nice place to just be walking which is basically what they had to do. Maybe they had a donkey. I don't know. You know, the pictures always say it. Christmas cards have it on it all the time. So I don't know. Maybe it was maybe they had a monkey or, or a monkey, <laughs> a donkey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, the monkey would have been for, for humor, you know, just to lighten things up a little bit. Anyway, um, but f- they got there. I'm sure it was not a pleasant trip. Um, They finally get there, and there's nothing but no vacancy signs everywhere. Can you imagine what what they must have been feeling like? I mean, I I know what it's like to have a pregnant wife, and, you know, we get to go to a nice hospital, and uh, they take care of her. They get to Bethlehem. Sorry, no vacancy, no room, sorry. Finally, they get to this one guy. Hey, is that me? probably I got a I got a cave um, it's where it's where the sheep go when when the shepherds bring them in for the night it wasn't a barn it was it was a cave that's that's how they took care of the sheep at night they just put them all in a cave in the back of the cave and the shepherds would would, would lay in front of the cave so that no predators could get in and he says oh, Okay, you know, that's the only place they had. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, comes to earth, born in a cave. I, I can just can can you feel and sense what Joseph and Mary must have been going through? God, really? You know? But God was working it out. Mary wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Probably because it was the only cloth available. I mean, if these were the shepherds that were raising the sheep and when they found a good, perfect lamb, they wrapped it in the swaddling clothes. Well, maybe that was the only cloth they could wrap them in. So that's what they wrapped them in. Then I think it was Gabe again, although we're not quite sure. It was decided that or they it was decided that it was time to interrupt the silent night. <laughs> Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night and behold an angel of the lord stood before them and the glory of the lord shone round about them and they were they were greatly afraid. I would be too. Then the angel said to them do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had seen and heard as it was told them. So here we have these. The first evangelists so to speak the the despised shepherds and isn't that the way god works i mean he doesn't go to the big muckety mucks uh, in jerusalem and tell them al- although he did kind of indicate to them that something was going on didn't they you know you think they were they were so learned and so uh so knowledgeable in the scriptures you think that when zechariah went in and saw an angel and came out he was couldn't speak, and and yet the whole crowd knew. He he saw a vision. He saw something, and then he goes home, and his wife has this miraculous baby. You would think that you know somebody would have put, you know, put that together and said, "Hmm, something's going on." But no, they didn't. And yet these guys, God comes to them and says, "Hey, this is what's happening, guys," and they they go and they. They see what, what God has done and they just say, hey, we got to tell other people about it. I hope I can have that same attitude all the time because God has revealed that to us too, hasn't he? Hasn't he revealed it to all of us just like, like he's revealed it to them? They went away rejoicing, praising God, glorifying him, testifying those things that God had shown them. But you know the sad part? Even though God had you know, just made this, It's kind of like he blared it through the sky. I'm I'm sure everybody in Bethlehem heard the angels you know, and saw the bright light and everything. I'm sure they all saw it. But it's amazing how they probably just didn't, oh, okay, yeah, that was cool. And it just kind of went on with life. And they didn't recognize what God was doing, how he was just setting it all up, and the Messiah was here. A lot of people missed it, didn't they? All of the big religious leaders missed it, didn't they? Even when the, uh, the wise men came, right? Nice wise men, they come in, they get lost, they, they're, they're following the star, and all of a sudden the star disappears right before they get to Jerusalem. Okay, let's go in and see the king and ask him where, where this newborn king is. So they go in and says, where is he, the born king of the Jews? And, and it says that all of Jerusalem was troubled when they were here looking, the king of the Jews, what they talking? So everybody knew what was going on. The, the, the Pharisees or the religious leaders came right up and they said, Bethlehem, that's where he's going to be born because Herod said, where is this? You know, what's going on? They, they, it's Bethlehem, it's in Bethlehem, that's where he is. So they said, go to Bethlehem, worship and then. Then when you find him, come back and tell me, so I can come worship, too. Uh, so, But the, the, the point I'm making is, they all knew. They, the, he even went to them and said, where's the king of the Jews? Oh yeah, he's gonna be born in Bethlehem. Yeah, you'd think one of them would say, hey, maybe we should go there and check this out, see if, see if he's really. yeah. No, I think they were too comfortable in their little religious world You know, we kind of get comfortable in our worlds, and when God wants to kind of wake us up and shake us up, we're like, no, 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 I can't be bothered. I hope not. I hope not. I hope I'm not that way. God, please, help me to be sensitive. They missed it. A lot of people missed it. Shepherds didn't miss it. The people that were willing to let God just come intervening into their lives and change things. Yeah, I think that's probably why a lot of people don't want to really go too far with the Lord. Because God is gonna change some things, isn't he? He wants to change us, and I'm so glad he changed me. Aren't you glad God changed you? And I, I didn't realize way back as a 22-year-old, just, you don't wanna know what I was that God was going to lead me in this path, but I'm so grateful he did. I'm thankful that he has changed me and transformed me. I'm grateful I was willing. I was wanting to make that change. You know, I think there's a lot of people out in the world that want to change. They know the life that they have is not what it should be. I pray God will lead us to those people because God led some people to me yes. when I was thinking, is this all life's all about? And I really wanted to know what God's plan was for my life and God led some people to me. And thank God they were willing to open up their mouth and say, hey, you need Jesus. Don't do what you're, you're doing. Do what God tells you to do. And, and sometimes it was as direct as that for me. Well, there was a couple other kind of incidental messages from angels. I think the angel, it it, it doesn't say so, but it could very well have been an angel revealing to the wise men, look, don't go back to Herod, go back to your land some other way. But right after that, the angel went to Joseph in another dream and said, get out of here. Herod's going to send people to kill all the babies. And it was an angel that revealed that to Joseph. Sometimes God will lead us to places that we wouldn't have normally chosen to go, right? I, I don't think Joseph and Mary were planning, okay, well, you know, we're, we're going to go to Bethlehem and then we're going to spend a few years down in Egypt. No, that wasn't their plan. They were probably planning to go back to Nazareth and build up Joe's uh, contractor business, whatever. <laughs> so they went to Egypt But I'm just saying, God will direct us in some places that maybe we wouldn't have chosen otherwise. We have to be willing to let him do that. But you know, there's a couple other ones that that, that, that's kind of the, the, the angelic messages of the Christmas story. And the reason I emphasize the fact that there were so many that missed what God was doing in that day Is because, all right, well, thank God that we can look back, and we haven't missed what happened back then. I hope and pray, and and praise God for the for the internet and being able to communicate. uh, Who knows who? I mean, maybe on the other side of the world, but um, I, I hope that even if you're here today or listening over the internet, that you've trusted that Jesus Christ died so that your sins could be forgiven and that you are willing to trust that and, and admit that you've sinned against God and that you believe with all your heart that Jesus died for you. If you'll trust him and if you'll receive him as your savior, you won't miss out on the best thing that God has ever done for you. But like I said, there were a lot of people that missed what God did back then. I think it was because they were so busy and comfortable with their life. I, I can't be bothered, I'm, I'm too busy, or I like my life the way it is, don't rock the boat. I say that because all that stuff is in the past and I'm glad I found out about it and I'm glad I know the truth about it and I'm glad I took that wondrous gift in my own life and heart but you know what the story isn't ended and god is still doing there's a lot of prophecies that god, of jesus second coming that if we'll look around we'll see that those things are beginning to come to pass i think we're kind of like the the disciples and here's here's the message that the disciples got. After the whole thing, after Christ's crucifixion, after his resurrection, he stayed with them for 40 days, takes them up to the Mount of Olives, said, okay, guys, hang tight. I'll send the Holy Spirit. Boom, I'm out of (laughs) here. Must have been, you know, the first beam me up Scotty deal. But, you know, I mean, can you see it? And they're all just, where'd he go? (laughs) And then... It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 10, it says, as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going up, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them, angels. And they also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. He says, guys, don't just stand here doing nothing. He's coming back. There's a lot of prophecies. As a matter of fact, there were over 300 prophecies that Jesus would come the first time. There's even more than that that speak of his second coming. And God's going to fulfill them all just like he, he fulfilled the first one. You know, there's going to be one, there's there's a lot of angel messages that are going to come in the future, and we'll find them out as they go, but there's one that we don't want to miss, and that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where Paul says, this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or those who have died before us. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, listen, with the voice of the archangel. There's going to be another message. and You know what it's going to say? It's going to say, come on up. The angel message in that one is, come on up. I want you to be with me. voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, Thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. Let's be ready for that. Because I always like to tell people, you know, I kind of make a little joke. You know, I say, well, some people have OCD. You know what I have? ODC, you know what that stands for? One day closer. Oh, I like that. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. One day closer. You know, every day that goes by is one day closer to we hear that angel message that says, Come up hither. Praise God, huh? Mm-hmm. So remember that as we think about all of the angel messages that we've heard and let's let's also consider, okay. The word angel, you know what that means? Come on, all you Bible scholars. There you go. It means messenger. So really we can all be angels. So to speak, messengers. See, all, all these angels—they—they—they they, they came with a message. They came with the message of redemption. They came with the message of the Savior. We have that same message, and we can be messengers that bring that to others. Let's let's pray that God will enable us to do just that. Let's pray. And and, and if you're here today, or listening over the internet and you've never trusted Jesus. You've never received that great gift. I pray that today might be the day of your salvation. We live in a broken world that's populated by broken people with broken relationships, both with God and with each other but God has promised to repair those relationships if we'll trust him. And so if you're here today or listening over the internet and you wanna just open your heart to Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you came to this world, the son of God, perfect sacrifice. You died on the cross, to pay for my sins. And I believe you rose again so that I could be forgiven and given the gift of eternal life. I accept your sacrifice on the cross for my sins. And I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior. Come into my life and save me and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. I hope you've prayed that with me. I hope that God will Just make himself known to you. And I pray that this Christmas, that greatest gift of God will be yours. In Jesus' name, amen.